Are you looking for a little escape? Want to see something? This is sick! You don't see every day. Are you ready for a whole new Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan is ripped. To the world, he's a hero. But to this man, he's history. Zeus. Stand back. Way back. Get ready for the battle no ropes can hold. No ring. No referee. No rules. Gentlemen, it's time. No holds barred. This is an unprecedented display of strength. I haven't been this excited about an episode since the compound was being surrounded by the ATF. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. yeah Way this... to set, set it up for tremendous downfall and disappointment right at the start. No, it's, this is not happening. This is, uh, this is episode 149 of Tell Me Where to Turn. You can find me on Twitter at Tommy2 underscore zero. You can find me at Glenn3 underscore 11. And you can find me at point break underscore Dave. And I just want to thank both you gentlemen for doing the podcast. You're both heroes. Oh, thanks. Man, that's really random. Are you inspired by, uh, you know, you're putting out a lot of workout tips this week. It's just motivational speaker time. No, it's just, I, I feel like we, everyone has to be a hero now. I just wanted to... <laughs> Oh boy, watch out those in the nursing profession. You may want to go ahead and turn it off. I'm not or I'm not skip ahead till we get to the meat of the episode. I'm not singling out nurses. I'm just saying we 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 don't have a lot of words in the English language. We have hero. And now it's like when someone runs into a burning building, it's like, yeah. Remember when we used hero for the guy wiping down <laughs> grocery carts for four months? Like Huh, what do we say about this guy now? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like uh, when Kobe landed on the mountain and then they wanted to change the logo to like Kobe's fadeaway or something like that. And I'm thinking, for of course, they didn't do it. But there's like a big push for we should do this for Kobe. You know, we should do that, whatever. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do if by some freak accident, Michael Jordan, you know, is in a car accident like two weeks later you just name the country after yeah. him. Like we can't, we can't fast enough. Like just bend over backwards and just fall over each other to pay tribute to people in the most honorable way possible. They can just be good people. There you go. There you go. A moment of silence for Art Howe as he's battling for his life in ICU with COVID nineteen. Former Ranger bench coach. Oh, I was about to say uh, who. Yes. 
Hey, the had, yeah. Blue Angels flew over Franklin, Tennessee today. Oh, wow. Did yeah. You, did you uh, walk outside and give the rolling the dice sign and look down <laughs> at your phone and walk back in? Tell me how, I wish I had video of this. I jumped on an electric scooter and tried to ride to the end of my street to watch the Blue Angels barefoot in shorts and then was extremely disappointed because right as I got there, I was just seeing them kind of make their banking banking turn and get out of the way. You have an electric scooter? I have an electric scooter. Well, is it yours? My or son has an electric you? scooter. Okay. But it is, it is big enough for an adult to ride as I proved today. And I do know some people, going back to Dave, everybody's a hero. I know some people that were looking to get a good vantage point for the Blue Angels, and they weren't exactly sure where it went, and they were like, hey, let's go hang out at the hospital parking lot. Surely that's where they're flying over. That's a good point. That is a good <laughs> Kind point. of genius. Not sure they flew over all the Krogers in town. So, so how is uh, how were the... You know, the film sessions and team meetings on Team Hoax this week. <laughs> hey, things are things are getting pretty heated between me and Team Hoax. There's a player to be named later. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> all all I'm all I'm saying is, do you know anybody personally that has it? Uh no, I don't. Dave? No. Okay. <laughs> well, it's an enjoyable podcast for you guys. Because <laughs> yeah. I know a lot I of bet, people. I bet we have a listener who knows somebody who has it. Well, if this you do, like the- it's where to turn pod at gmail.com and we offer you the form. But this can't be friend of a friend, this has to be somebody that you know. It can't be, oh, I was on Facebook and my friend posted about their old third grade teacher that had it. This has to be somebody that you know that has it. How, how's that old third grade teacher doing? Because I want to know he's a hero. <laughs> well, I mean, and he should be paid at least 150 grand a year for... yeah. Doing a job that apparently we're all doing now at a very <laughs> adequate level. Whatever, whatever the franchise tag is for like the uh, Cardinals QB, that's what all teachers should get paid. <laughs> all right. This is getting off to a good start. So speaking of things that should be paid more money, we're going to talk about a film today that made less than $10 million at the box office. That's a travesty. <laughs> the 1989 classic, No Holds Barred. So this is available Sorry. right now if you have a Prime subscription for free. So you can stream this for free on Amazon Prime. And I would invite anybody that's listening that's quarantined, that's all pent up on quarantine... Just stop the podcast right now, go to Amazon Prime, watch this movie, then resume the podcast. You will you will be glad. It will be the best hour and 33 minutes you spend all week. And this, I mean sincerely, if you've lived through quarantine and don't have a Prime subscription, like what, what are you doing? <laughs> 
And you're probably a hero. <laughs> it probably actually outworking. So this this movie, 1989, was released at the height of Hulkamania. So Hulk Hogan's run through the early 80s culminated in 86, 87, 88. I mean, that was when WWE was seeing a major resurgence in popularity. Hulk Hogan was the undisputed number one star and like has happened subsequently in the future when there is a big number one star he took some time away from the ring to start his career in hollywood and what better way to do that than i would assume this would be classified as an action movie yeah there's a little bit of a little bit of drama a little bit of a small amount of romance but uh, it's hulk hogan so it ain't that small brother (laughs) <laughs> it's a Pringles can small brother. <laughs> but much like so, much like The Rock would do in years later, I am assuming at the time, with as red hot as he was in the wrestling world, that they probably thought this movie would be the vehicle, much like Scorpion King was for The Rock, to propel Hulk Hogan into a lucrative career in action movies. This this was the launching off point for that. That didn't happen. No, I do I think thinking, I do think Mr. Nanny came out at some point, didn't it? Yeah, was that after this? That was after this, I think. I think it was early nineties. Because he had, you know, he had Mr. Nanny. He had the what was the? There was another one. Some kind of was he in a ninja, a three ninjas, or a? Yeah, that sounds it was something right, involving actually. like the beach or surfing. Yeah, or something like that. But everything other than. His bit part in Rocky Three, everything failed pretty bad at the box office, I believe. Yeah, I don't think you yeah. could find anybody today that would acknowledge that Hulk Hogan was a film star by any stretch. No, because he he started out as he was just billed as Hulk Hogan, and then eventually he was in the last few movies he was Terry Hulk Hogan. They kind of split the difference between the, the <laughs> character name and his actual name. But he was trying to go a little more legit, like The Rock started out, hey, this is The Rock and The Scorpion King. And then he did several movies where he was Dwayne Johnson, and he also lost, like, I don't know, it was 100 pounds, but he lost a lot of weight. If you go back to, that was probably the um, mid-2000s, he was in, I don't know if he was in Get Shorty or the sequel to it, but he lost a bunch of weight. He had, like, two or three movies where he didn't weigh near what he does right now. And then he discovered, you know what? I don't know that I'm actually a legitimate actor. I should probably get back in the weight room and call myself The Rock and then become the most, basically the most famous actor in the entire world. Yes, one of the richest men in the entire world. And go on to make ballers, which, I mean, it doesn't get any better. No, I don't see why he ever does anything else. It's downhill. Downhill right. from there. Let's get back to this, and I want to quick, because this was a Glenn recommendation. Tommy, you'd never seen this movie. No, I mean, I'd heard it discussed on other podcasts. I was aware of its existence. Never saw it until yesterday. I never saw it until I actually watched part last night and part today, which I think was good. You need a a break in this movie. You need to collect yourself. it's It's like running the you know, hundred meters. You you can't just do that the whole time. You have to stop and get a get a breath because this movie doesn't let you up off the mat. So I wanted to I wanted to ask something because this was 
you know, 30 seconds into the movie, I had this question. So it starts with him. Action packed start. He's headed to the ring. For Rip, a match. Rip Taylor, right? Uh, Rip Thomas. Thomas. Rip Thomas. Yeah. I All my notes, I just wrote Hogan. <laughs> but <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm baffled by the fact that they weren't, he wasn't billed or his character wasn't Hogan. Because it was a WWF announced crew, right. WWF ring. He had the WWF title. He basically had his gear, his tights, and his shirt. They were white and not yellow, but it was yeah. ripped in the back. It, like he did, he did all the same gimmicks except everything. except for the riptide, which I don't think he ever did. And no, WWE. And he said man a lot instead of brother. Like on the right. initial, he said man. It was basically Norm. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like maybe because Vince was an executive producer for this. Of course he was. Maybe he thought to himself well if we do it as hulk that stuff is selling anyway but if this movie is popular or perceived as good uh we can sell a bunch of rip (laughs) merchandise and a bunch of shirts with the weird it's basically his (laughs) sign is like the hang loose sign but you keep one knuckle the extra knuckle up to rip it just gotta rip it but no, I actually, uh, that was the first note I had too, is, is why not Why not just have him be Hulk Hogan? Everybody knows who he is. The only re- people that are watching this movie are probably fans of Hulk Hogan. I can't imagine it appealing <laughs> to a much wider audience than that. Why, yeah, why, not, why not have him just be Hulk Hogan in the movie? I have two immediate observations as, a, as he comes out to the ring in the opening scene of this movie. What, his, his intro music is basically like they took his Hulk Hogan intro music and just like reversed it or just moved the notes around a little bit. Cause it kind of sounds similar, but it's not the same, but he walks out and it's, it's him, his manager, which I think is Charlie and his brother, Randy. And Randy looks like it should be his son. Cause he's like 14. <laughs> okay. So first off, did anybody recognize who Randy is or what other show he's been on? I don't know, but he was worthless in this movie. no, Many, many years later, I guess it would have been 20 years later, Randy would play Jacob on Lost. No. Yeah, same guy. Look it up. Are you serious? I'm very serious. He apparently learned to act a little bit in <laughs> 20 years because he was not. This This is like they found well, him. And Jacob, Jacob did have a lot of mystical properties about him, which we'll find later Randy does when he recovers from full body paralysis in one minute at the end of the movie. Oh, that's, that's way... That's way we got to package yeah, that. We'll package that. So, so the so, And then on, on the way out, so first off, yeah. Randy is played by the guy that was, that was in Lost. The other thing that I just noted... On the way out to the ring, they're doing some, you know, character explanation, a little bit of development through the the PA guy. And they mention for no reason whatsoever that Randy and Rip's parents died tragically in an accident. Yes. It has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's not referenced. There's it was the most needless information in a, in a movie full of needless information. Surely there's a two hour director's cut where there's a whole exploration of the dark side of rip with his parents tragedy. There has to be right oh, there. Man, I hope so. 
I have something else on that that I want to get to later, but it, it doesn't fit right now. But that that was really odd. So that they, was really odd. They what did you guys think of Jesse Ventura? Um, I, he was, you know, that was prime Ventura during that time. I thought he was he was great with Mean Gene. Yeah, the Fink. Did yeah. You, did you catch the uh, the homage to Vince McMahon by Mean Gene? I did not. During that opening match, you know, two minutes into the movie, Mean Gene on the uh, PA or the announce call goes, what a maneuver. What a maneuver. (laughs) Which is a classic Vince McMahonism. So they work through this opening match and it's a very predictable Hulk Hogan match. He's he's about to be choked out. He comes back, executes the riptide, wins the match. And then they cut to a boardroom of people watching on TV in suits and the lead guy in this room says, well, we're going to be last in the ratings again. And my immediate thought was like, okay, well, are these the people that like own the network that Hulk just won on? And and he's just so disappointed that the match was just typical garbage and there wasn't good work in the match. And, and uh, no, come to find out, they're on the rival television network, the World Television Network, WTN. Yes. I, the I had a uh, most generically named. Yes, and there was a lot of generically named ever. stuff in this movie. I, my note here says that wrestling match was bad, but still eight hundred times more realistic than the boardroom scene that followed. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the guy that played the head of World Television Network? He looks so familiar, but I did not get a chance to look up what else he was in. But he seemed so familiar. Yeah, he he was on, if I recall, he was on an episode of Seinfeld, but I can't remember what he played. I feel like he was on an episode of Seinfeld, and I've seen he's just like a character actor. uh, Character actor, yeah. And I don't think he's always the bad guy, but he's certainly the antagonist. In this movie, I think his name was Brill or Brill. Yeah, Brill. Yeah. yeah. So Brill is just dressing down his executive team, which is comprised of about 30 other guys in this room. And the source of their angst is Rip is so popular that whenever he's on TV on the other network, they can't program anything against it that can compete. So their solution to solve this is to invite Rip up to WTN for a meeting to talk about things. Can I things. say this? And there was no... And this movie was 89. Boy, there was no nuance or shade of gray or anything with characters in movies. Like, this guy's supposed to be the bad guy. He's, like, legitimately the worst. Like, if there's not a second in the movie you could take a clip from and not realize this guy's the bad guy. Yes. I like they have a board meeting to come up. So they want to come up with ideas for ratings, but obviously they want to. Well, I think they they have Rip come in first. Right. Because they basically, he comes in and they give him, here's the blank check. And right, in that first number. meeting, the CEO hits a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Rip shows up to the meeting in like the most ridiculous attire. He's got on like, like basically his ring attire, only red. <laughs> yeah, he wears white a, when he's, he's wrestling, the, red when he's going to business meetings. Yeah, he's got, it's like 
red trim, which brings me to a hypothetical I want you to ask, because he's like black spandex with a black do-rag, like his formal do-rag that he wore in court when he dropped Gawker in the bankruptcy. (laughs) But then he has the giant, huge red weight belt, like weightlifting belt. And he wears it again when he's in the board meeting with the woman. Yeah, and the hypothetical might have is to do some squats, brother. You guys, I'm not gonna say double. I think that's too much. You get a nice fifty percent total comp raise, but you have to wear a weight belt <laughs> done all the time, done. and you can't explain it. You just done. have to walk around. <laughs> send it, send it, ship it to me right now. I'll I'll start tomorrow. Done. You know, anything. Anything would normalize after a period of time. Like <laughs> it would be really weird for a while, but then eventually they'd be like, Tommy just wears a weight belt every day. We don't really know why. So I want to talk through the, the remainder of this meeting because this is where the first part of the storytelling narrative totally falls apart. <laughs> so, so Rip is just a wrestler that wrestles for a company a TV network invites him in and offers him a lot of money to do some work with them, but it immediately becomes this very good versus evil thing for him to say no. And I don't never really understood uh, why he reacted so negatively to them offering him whatever he wanted money wise. They didn't, they didn't ask him to kill anybody. They didn't ask him to do anything illegal. They just asked him to appear on their TV show. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't even, uh, uh, the other thing, which is not a surprise, they didn't really have an idea no. developed. They don't have, I mean, wouldn't they have to have an entire wrestling federation for him to work amongst? I mean, they just think that they're going to give him a blank check. Yeah, like he's just going to show up and they're like, just whatever. It's a, like a family sitcom. <laughs> You're wrestling five guys. I don't know what we have. It's just whatever. Just show up. Here's a blank check. But uh, the blank check, the blank check gets torn up and stuffed in a guy's mouth, and that's when Rip issues his first great one-liner of the movie, which is he gets physical with the guy, grabs him, stuffs the torn-up check in his mouth, and then says, "I won't be around when that check clears." <laughs> that was a great, that was a great moment. One thing I don't understand is is Brill. He calls all the wrestlers jockasses. Yes. And I've never heard that insult before or after. But maybe during this movie. Maybe you will now that you have heard it on this show. You will start yeah. hearing it every Wednesday evening between nine and ten o'clock. <laughs> I had never heard that one either. Uh so then, so Rip's leaving. Yeah, he's he's yeah. stuffed the check. He's leaving. He gets back, I guess, in the limo that Brill sent to pick him up. Yeah, Brill issues the order. Basically, he didn't accept our offer, so you need to take care of this guy. Meaning, not in a good way. It's time yes. to beat up Rip. It's time to beat up Rip. Did you guys know? And I don't know if they ever tested this on MythBusters or anything. But if you're in the back seat of a car and you kick the inside of the door, the entire car swerves uncontrollably. <laughs> it's like you, you read my notes, Dave. I said, I said, uh, somehow Rip kicking the door causes the limo driver to veer out of control wildly for uh, the next five minutes. So As he's driving the wrong way down the street on two wheels because he's kicking the back door from the inside. So my note was uh, 
does breaking the TV monitor control the steering in this limo? <laughs> because basically, once he realizes the guy's not taking him where he's supposed to go, um, Rip starts trying to break the window that's between the dr- driver and the passenger. And then he's just kind of breaking everything that's inside the limo. Like, it doesn't really make sense for him to break the TV and break like, oh. the light that's above him. He's just like, not that's having not any doing anything. He's had enough. Yeah, I guess so. So this limo oh, limo veer, veers veers out of the, somehow ends up in a warehouse where they've already got it pre pre uh, populated with henchmen to take care of Rip. Yes. And then a fight ensues, a crazy fight ensues that <clears throat> involves a guy getting thrown through a windshield and then in subsequent scenes clearly not through the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> Until the final scene when he goes back to get the limo driver and then the guy is suddenly back through the windshield again. So <laughs> editing and continuity, not a big player in this thing. And then we so had our ha- second great one-liner of the movie. Yeah, what happened to the limo driver, Tommy? So Rip pulls the limo driver out of the car by his lapel. And it's very apparent that there is moisture in the pants area of the limo driver. And Rip kind of is up close to him and he has this uh, sniff sound. He, what's that smell? And the guy says, like what any hardened criminal would say in this situation, dookie. <laughs> and then Rip goes, dookie. That's not working for me, brother. And I think that is, I'm pretty sure that's the scene they played when they were awarding Best Screenwriter at the Oscars. That was the little clip they played. Best Adapted Screenplay. Really, really bad. (laughs) There's, it's so bad. And I mean, we'll get into more of it, but like I said, I hadn't watched this movie, but I I went in with good expectations. I think I've set my expectations well. I was like, Hogan, the name of the movie is No Holds Barred. It was made in 1989. The bar is over the the top. I'm not expecting Citizen Kane here. And this movie makes over the top look like a thoughtful look at custody battles. (laughs) This movie is so... Over, like, just ridiculous. Every scene of it's ridiculous. There's not one scene that's not just insanely ridiculous. No, the, yeah, this, this makes, yeah, this makes the writing, the writing team of, of over, over the top look, yeah, look like uh, Orson Welles in his, in his heyday, for sure. The, so now uh, Brill, Brill has to, uh, he doesn't have rip. Right. So he's got to find an idea for programming. That's so, right. He and his uh, producer boys head to some sort of underground wrestling bar. Yes, and whoever to check out the scene, whoever. Uh, hey, cheers, Glenn. That's right. <laughs> whoever, uh, whoever concepted the look of this wrestling bar, put in every generic stereotype of a dive, uh, you know, trash bar you could possibly have, including the waitress who just kept hacking the whole time she was just like <laughs> which never came into play and then like nev- yeah it never comes into play on their food or something never <laughs> everybody seemed to be dealing with some sort of mental disability which was odd for 
one <laughs> gathering to have all those people. Yes. So this is uh, the the CEO that we already know is clearly the bad guy. He's already punched a woman in the one meeting he was in. Um, he brings his two, I guess, right-hand men who are very much against going into this bar. But I guess he knew what the bar was. Yeah, he was going there to to recruit talent for his new wrestling TV show. He knew what he was getting into. The other two guys, not so much. And yeah, so they get in there and it's just basically a makeshift ring out of like tires and rope and just two guys brawling and that's what they're there to see. And at some point during the night, the two side uh, assistants have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And we see our first Hollywood appearance of the trough, which is a big staple on the show. And not only the trough, but the full trough. The <laughs> the full to the brim trough has made an appearance. Yeah. So we've all seen this many times in our dirt track and drag racing careers. I'm not sure I've ever seen the trough in cinema before. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I don't think I've ever seen it that full of urine before. I've no, seen this it was... full of ice at the beginning <laughs> at the beginning of the night. But this is the full, full the most full I've ever seen the trough. And of course, they're they're in there besmirching the good name of the patrons and the bar and the waitress's brother, who is also a part-time bare-knuckle fighter, is in the bathroom and then in the stall, and then he comes out to confront the two men while their uh, wieners are hanging out, <laughs> makes some very uh, offensive comments about the condition of their wieners. <laughs> And then he goes and gets in a fight and shotguns a keg of beer. <laughs> so at some oh point, at some point during the night of action at the bar, we get to meet for the first time the antagonist of Rip, right? Zeus, and he comes in by essentially kicking down Hold a door. On. This and wasn't. Then, this was actually at the when they start filming the show. Oh, yeah. You know what? I need to back up because we missed something here. Yeah, we missed the when Rip is in the business meeting with the hot marketing yeah, lady. So we, we did miss something. We missed, we missed a couple things. So Rip gets a new account executive. And boy, there is no subtlety in Rip, man. He's just like the woman's walking around the board table. It's a crowded boardroom, and he's just... I effing her the whole time. <laughs> and it's the all just time. it's all just comments about yeah working for women in the uh in the wrestling days in the 80s must have been really difficult. But yeah. she uh she does uh after their first encounter when Rip is just just can't handle himself around the woman they do end up uh going out to a classy dinner, a dressy mm-hmm. dinner. Is it a French restaurant? Yes, and Rip shows up in his all-white suit, brother. He's looking great. <laughs> He's looking great. I mean, I'm sure that they had to come behind her with the <laughs> chamois, the wow. <laughs> he did, probably. But they, <laughs> they have an encounter with the highly snooty waiter at their dinner, 
And I keep thinking like, oh my gosh, they're going to have a scene where Rip just obliterates this waiter in the middle of the restaurant. And I don't know how you can do that and maintain his baby face status if he just assaults a waiter, even if the guy was being rude. But they take it a different direction, which is essentially the entire kitchen staff comes out into the restaurant because Rip is there and they're all big fans. Yeah, because... Well, and he's also apparently a regular, right? At this and that's place. that was a great swerve because that was probably yeah. the only time the writers got one over on me in this episode. Is I'm expecting just the straightforward rip, you know, gets some meal that he's never seen before, can't eat it, and then beats up the maitre d or the waiter, whatever the guy was. But yeah, instead, it uh, turns out Rip is so so well known there that they just ask him if he wants the usual. Yeah, because the waiter had kind of went over to his side of the table and was basically like, I'm sure you're looking for like the hamburger with the queso and the side of ranch. Type <laughs> and of if thing. you got any chips back there, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm insulted by everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking for Craig BGM's menu. <laughs> Dude, Rip, Rip would have loved BGM's. <laughs> Let's be honest. Man. All right, so... Um, yeah, that, so they kind of have some banter, uh, Rip and the girl, I'm trying to remember her name. The sexual tension was, was high. I mean, yeah, let's, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Samantha. Samantha. Sam. 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 Yeah. Very good. So then the, the next, uh, the next thing I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is they... The network CEO has he's seen the bare knuckle grill, no holds barred grill. He's seen that, and that's his his idea for what's going to save the network. Is we're going to get this, we're going to promote this. And now remember that first board meeting, there was like forty executives in that meeting. They put their brains together to come up with a name for this contest, <laughs> this show. <laughs> What did they call it, Glenn? The Battle of the Tough Guys. <laughs> so in the World Television Network, their big show is the Battle of the Tough Guys. Yes. And the um, <clears throat> the prize is going to be, it's a, essentially they kind of... It's a semi-truck we, in custody of a child. <laughs> Whatever child you want. <laughs> we don't get the... Uh, the over explanation of the rules like over the top, but it appears to be, it's going to be some kind of tournament fight. And then they do a quick montage of different truckers and tough guys that are all hearing his announcement that there's a hundred thousand dollar grand prize, which was, I believe the grand prize of the arm wrestling tournament. Yeah, I need to check my t-shirt cause it's on there. <laughs> I just can't remember, but I think you're right. I think it was a hundred grand. They got a truck too, though. So that's true. And Hawks got what was he forty to one? He was yeah. a long shot. He put oh no, it was. It. I feel like he was less odds than that. He should have been no. forty to one. Anyway, yeah, yeah we, I think we covered that. It's like episode eighteen. <laughs> you check it out in our archives. So let's get back to this. So, as we've established, he he needs the big idea to save the network, right? So his big idea is this. Battle of the Tough Guys, we've already discussed, terrible name. Then they go in there, they have like one woman with a handheld camera, like no lighting, like this is the worst produced show. They've had, 
in movie time, it seems like they've had about two days of <laughs> leg time to advertise this show. And at the end of this, spoiler alert, after the end of the show, he triumphantly claims they won the ratings. They were number one. The show was number one. So they have no marketing time. The worst, lowest budget show. But they win the ratings because, as Tommy alluded to, halfway through the match, or one of the final matches, a door breaks down, a wall breaks down, and there is Zeus. And what is the first thing Zeus does when we see him? He immediately assaults a woman. Yes. And how is he even in it? Like, he runs in like he's cashing in money in the bank. (laughs) There's apparently no rules because everyone else has been fighting for an hour, and Zeus just runs in and is declared the winner. (laughs) Against Brock Chisler, which is a great name. Actually, I could, uh, I may bring that name back. So, yeah, Zeus, he didn't, he didn't practice. He didn't put any of the work. He just walks in and is immediately the champion. He's naturally just running a four four forty, and he's the world champ. <clears throat> but he, he walks also, in and is just beating the crap out of people, and Brill is like, cannot sign this guy fast enough. Yeah, and while this is going on, so at some point during the Zeus beatdown, they do have a cutaway to the home of Rip, where Rip and Randy and the rest of the Rip entourage are there. And you get a little bit of the Zeus backstory. Not a lot, but the African-American older gentleman who is one of Rip's trainers says, I know who that is. I trained him for a while until he killed somebody. (laughs) The way it was phrased, he said, he killed some kid in the brain. Like, you can't come up with anything more medical or scientific than that. He but killed it, him in the brain. But it turns out Zeus has been in jail. And to, that's offensive. <laughs> to go back to something we mentioned earlier, when he first kicks down the wall, and of course, I haven't seen the movie, but from the cover and subsequent SummerSlam match, I knew he was the villain. And he's wearing the you know, numbered patch jail jumpsuit. And I'm like, okay, this is the guy that killed Rip's parents that the announcer <laughs> yeah. mentioned. But no, he that just never comes kid. up again. Never comes up <laughs> that again. Wouldn't that have been sense. much wouldn't wouldn't that have been a much better twist to the story in the director's cut? So can I ask, is that nineteen I assume it's probably eighty nine or ninety SummerSlam on the network? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that is. And don't don't get your hopes up because Zoop, Zeus is not a good worker. No, uh, that's okay. I think I just want to see it. I'll watch it for five minutes and I'll be done with it. But yeah. you get they cleverly disguise Zeus in a tag match of Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake versus Zeus and Macho Man. And so, Macho Man oh, okay. does all the hard work. Yeah, because I guess this movie was a summer release, right? Because yeah, yeah. that was WrestleMania 5, which was Hogan versus Macho Man. The mega powers explode. So then that summer was them pairing off with the great ac- accompaniment of Zeus and a Zeus. <laughs> so the show. So Zeus, Zeus's first uh, opponent. Is Lugrinch Perkins. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. The show goes number one. So then the next week, now they were going on site for matchups for Zeus. So they go to some foundry where there's 
people that are haven't bothered to even stop working while the fight is going <laughs> on. There's fire yeah. randomly coming out of different places. And Zeus is fighting a guy named Lugrinch Perkins, who, yes, if you wondered why he's called Lugrinch Perkins, it's because <laughs> he fights while holding a Lugrinch. And that's fine. That's okay. That's this is that's okay. This is the part after criticizing everything the network CEO did as a terrible broadcaster. This Zeus's second fight, I was kind of coming around because first, Lugrinch Perkins is great. They're in, you know, like that you said that factory. I'm like, okay, it's like kind of like a Mortal Kombat or any t- tournament fighter, right? You go to some stage and that person's kind of the environment you're fighting in. And now they're allowing weapons in the fight. Like the guy starts with a weapon. And Zeus doesn't, I mean, he doesn't talk at all. All he does is grunt and scream. Yes. Uh, I don't know that he has a line in the entire movie. And what's up with that eye? What's going on with that that eye? Zeus. He's got Ken Paxton eye. Zeus. So while uh, while this is going on, we get to what I think is probably the best part of the movie. Rip is taking a, I assume, a business road trip with Sam. Yes. And, of course, they first have to stop for lunch at one of Rip's favorite diners. And, of course, of course they're getting robbed by racially stereotyped <laughs> African-Americans. This- I don't know why they... I guess this is the '80s, and that's what they did. You couldn't have an armed robbery unless that was the case. I, I can't. I couldn't believe what happened in this scene. This what's was, about to take place? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll discuss this scene in detail, but I, I just want to um, read the note that I wrote. So, of course, I'm writing these kind of as I'm as I'm watching the movie in real time. I'm not like stopping it to take great notes, and I just wrote. Rip breaks up armed robbery by throwing pies, question mark. <laughs> That's what I wrote down, too. So, yes, the armed robbers show up in the diner, and Rip says, I'm going to handle this myself, and starts defeating them by throwing food at yeah. them. Hold on. Well, let's clarify. He's not... I mean, you said armed robbers, but the guy is pointing a gun at Rip. <laughs> And Rip's throwing pies, and somehow that's working. And, and not only throwing him, throwing him with some success. Yeah. No, he's on target. Here's a question. And First, these robbers, that diner, there's no way that diner has more than $50 in cash no. in it. No, this is and a terrible s- plan on their part. Secondly, don't they know Hogan always goes over... <laughs> Like there's no way this is going to be successful. Well, we uh, we also can tell by Sam's viewing of this fight that what she's seeing is getting her libido going a little bit. Now seeing Rip handle himself. This is just for Tommy and I because Glenn had already seen this movie. At this point, I knew she was bad. Because why? I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't know. I thought I thought she was a double agent at this point. So you figured it I out. I didn't know. I hadn't seen it in 30 years. And I had seen the movie before. I didn't know or recall at this moment that she was a double agent assigned by Brill to seduce him. I thought that I thought that was coming, but 
Whoa, <laughs> poor word choice. Wow. All right, let's thought. go to the, the hotel because the hotel scene is the greatest scene in the movie. Yeah, so, I agree. What seems to happen all the time at hotels, they had the mix-up where they only had one room. It's a common problem at hotels. Yeah, like like hotel scene ranking was all time, the one in planes, trains, and automobiles is number two, <laughs> and this one is number one. <laughs> By so, the way, I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles for the first time last week on your recommendation. Amazing. It was it's good. It's an amazing movie. It was good. It was good. So they, uh, they share the same room, and Sam kind of lets it be known that there's not going to be any funny business going on. So Rip takes it upon himself, like the true, true gentleman that he is, to take a sheet and just do- make a dividing curtain in the middle of the bed. Because Sam is, Sam is modest, and she's a good girl, and she doesn't want to do any of this. Then she walks out of the bathroom in her bra and panties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just walks right out. Even though he's, he's wearing shorts that are more revealing than what she's wearing. Yes. He's no, leaving nothing I, I, to the imagination. Let me read that. My note there is uh, blah, 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 blah. Hogan has the shortest shorts ever. <laughs> The whole scene, I was worried about his thermos flopping out. I'm not going to lie. I was hog-watching this whole time. So, Wait, you guys, hold on real quick. When he makes the dividing line, the first thing he does is he walks over to his bag and pulls out, like, a roll of athletic tape because that's what's going to hold up the blanket. <laughs> but when he first Obviously. pulled out that tape, I was like... Oh, what's he about to do? Yeah, this is about to be uh, this is about to be uh, assault. <laughs> Take a real a real turn here. Started out super positive, but um, yeah. So he he puts up the curtain, and basically they're doing the you stay on your side of the bed, I'll stay on mine. Right. So, so then you know they do the time lapse. You don't know how much time has gone by, but whatever. She wakes up to a sound the bed is shaking it's up and down rhythmically he's breathing in a in a heavy and rhythmic fashion and you're like what is he doing and it turns out he's doing approximately a thousand decline push-ups off the end of the bed in tiny little briefs but boy she thought he was getting the thermos going didn't she (laughs) He was, he was hulking up. So <laughs> instead of after the uh, after the comment about all the noise he's making, he decides to get back in the bed. But instead of getting in the bed like a normal person, he decides to take a full back bump. <laughs> oh, he leg dropped the bed. Yeah, he had to he had to put the Hulk finisher in there somewhere. And he leg dropped the bed. Yeah, and the bed the bed kind of explodes beneath him, and she falls right on top of him just amazing (laughs) no one no one has ever got into a bed that way ever (laughs) well in about 45 minutes the second person's gonna do it (laughs) and she uh she has none of it though you think that's gonna be the catalyst she slaps him she has she has none of it and he gets up in his tiny little briefs and is going to sleep on the couch in the lobby. Yes, I wrote, oh, yeah. he, things go poorly, and Rip goes to sleep in the lobby shirtless. <laughs> yeah, he, he throws like a, he kind of throws a fit. I was yeah. like, what is the point of all this? Again, that's a common theme for the whole movie, but 
what is the point of that? I have no idea. So the next day, there's a uh, challenge issued to Rip by Zeus. And well, hold on, before we get to that, we get to the we get a meeting with the Sam, the girl that was right. on the trip with Hogan, and the bad CEO, which reveals she was double agent. She was working for him, and he was the one that pulled the. Uh, there will be only w- one room for you guys and one bed and. She tells him that she didn't go through with it, that he's a nice guy. She didn't seduce him. He gets mad. He slaps her. Yes. And here's where I want to take a quick pause. <laughs> okay. Sign the screen. No, this isn't a sign the screen thing, but actually it's about 10 minutes later in the movie when I thought back to this. What was Brill, the CEO, what was his plan if she had seduced him, like what was the what was the next step in that plan? Well, because we know if that they had secretly recorded it, that <laughs> Rip would have ended up owning the World Television Network when the movie was over. So that's not a good plan. But no, like really, like his ultimate goal is to get him to fight Zeus, right? Yeah. So he's gonna let him have sexual relations with a beautiful woman to make him want to fight Zeus. <laughs> Like, Rip's got his own thing going. He's doing great. He's the biggest. We're gonna make his life better by him hooking up with this woman, and then that's gonna somehow make him want to fight Zeus. Yeah, here's something that Rip's character in no way would have been able to do: have sex with a woman. (laughs) He could have just walked out and just kind of put the hand up to the side of his ear. And immediately women are just flocking. The waitress at the diner sure would have been up for it. Yeah. So this is when we find out that Brill is a really bad guy because she leaves and Brill, I mean, there's no other way to say this. Like he sends a guy to rape her. Yes. Which is very disturbing. Yes. I was, it's actually funny. I was talking to Mrs. Point Break Dave about this. I was like, because she watched the first half with me of the movie. So she was there for the, the dookie, the tiny wiener, like just PG in this movie to no end with these funny words. And then they just have like an attempted rap right in the middle of the movie. Yeah. And then rip breaks it up by like chasing the guy down on his motorcycle, but he has like 10 opportunities during the fight to get off his motorcycle and fight the guy. And he just keeps turning it around and he never <laughs> actually gets off the motorcycle. I just don't think he really cares about Sam that much. No. He didn't even, he didn't even he care enough to get off the motorcycle. Somehow picks the guy up on the front of his motorcycle and then slams on the brakes where he flies into a tree. Like Rip killed this man. Yes, Rip murdered this man. This is the first of three Rip murders in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then he goes back and... The woman, her shirt's all torn, like, and yeah, he's just like, this is not, hey. This is not, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That, was, that was a tough break for you. <laughs> now I'm going to go do business with this guy that sent this attempted rapist after you. So we have another, we have another on-location Zeus fight where the opponent, again, is wielding a weapon, which I guess that's what they do in Tough Guy. <laughs> and, uh, 
and Rip's pretty mad at this point, so he breaks into Zeus's gym, and this was very Rocky Four feeling. On. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We gotta, we gotta slow down here because we're missing, we're missing something. We're missing when yeah. Zeus challenges him. Rip is at some sort of field day with a bunch of children running games. And did anyone catch the sign in the background? I did not. No, I definitely did not. This event was <laughs> to go along with the theme of everything as an overly generic name. There's a sign in the background that says Rip's Sports for Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So he's helping in a helicopter lands. And it is evil CEO Brill and Zeus challenging Rip in front of all the kids. And he doesn't do anything at the time. He just kind of stands there silently. He's not ready to commit, brother. (laughs) Not at that point. He was being a good example for the kids. But Zeus finds a way... Or they find a way to draw Rip out because it Zeus's next match against whoever Torque Wrench Johnson <laughs> or whatever his name was, Randy, Rip's brother Randy and a friend decide to go attend and watch the match. That's right. Very and incognito. I, yes. Well, except for the fact the, that they're literally wearing Rip T-shirts. <laughs> yes. Like after the match is over, Zeus wins. After the match is over, the two other like uh, World Television Network producer guys are talking to Randy and his friend, and about if they liked it, you know that type of thing. Then the big CEO got Brill comes over, and then he kind of notices that Randy is wearing a Rip T-shirt, and of course he's like, "Yeah, I'm Rip's brother. You know what are you gonna do about it?" And they just say, "Well, I'll tell you what we're gonna do about it." You're going to fight Zeus while you're here. He has security in uniform. Drag him over so Randy can fight Zeus. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think it went real well for Randy in the battle against Zeus. Young Randy did not fare well in this battle. Now, this was a squash match for sure. (laughs) And this enraged, enraged Rip to the point where he felt the need to break into... Zeus's gym, which very Rocky Four feeling here. They oh, had yeah, the odd motivational tape playing. Yes. Of just all kinds of crazy insults. They had, uh, I mean, I guess a fair amount of technology for the time. And Rip just makes just totally destroys the thing, including just javelin throwing a uh, that was... barbell through the surveillance camera that Brill is watching the whole time live while Rip's breaking in, just laughing maniacally like a madman. Who what a shot, by the way. Yeah, that's like a million to one. <laughs> yeah. What was he? Was that like so, a 40 to 40 to one in the sports book <laughs> on that show? It was like a, it was like a curl bar. And he stuck the end where you put the weights on directly into the lens of the camera that's hanging from the ceiling. Tell the guy that ripped this this facility. Like every door can just be ripped off the hinges <laughs> with ease. He threw like a sixty pound dumbbell into a mirror. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> His rotator cuff. Man, thoughts and no, prayers. No warm up or anything. No. 
So then we get we get the he basically says in that that he's accepting the challenge because right. obviously they they hurt his brother brother brother, <laughs> and then we get the montage which, as uh, Tommy alluded to earlier, Rip's brother is essentially doing the reverse of the mom and over the top where she declined unreasonably quickly he's improving unreasonably quickly <laughs> but he, he's uh, yeah so there's so many uh you know we noted rocky four before but i had that noted that just uh you have the montages you have the opponent with the advanced technology and everything which is like a rocky four ripoff you have in this case it's his brother and not his wife but it's very much a Rocky II ripoff that he's in a coma and they're all in the hospital and uh, Rip is, you know, is very concerned and distraught. And then, uh, you know, Randy wakes up. And so then Rip is one, just to step away from the rest of the story, this was the only part in the movie that I thought Hulk Hogan acted well. It was <laughs> the part where he was crying because he was so you know, happy or whatever, um, that his brother had finally come out of this coma. Like that actually seemed genuine. Yeah. I was shocked that he was pulling that off, <laughs> but, but that he... was actually like, it was good, but it's a Rocky two ripoff that that now inspires him that he's got to go defeat Zeus. Now that his brother is, uh, is recovering from yes, full body paralysis. <laughs> But where he didn't act well, I would say, would be in all the remaining rehab scenes where he's trying to, like, help the little guy take his first step. Yes. Very, very corny. <clears throat> and speaking of bad acting, in this montage, we're going between uh, Rip, who's solely focused on his brother in the hospital, and Zeus, who's solely focused on training for this match. So... Whatever the guy's name is, the actor, Tiny, whatever his name is. Lister. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to go out and limb, say the guy's worked out a few times in his life. Why, when he's doing that row machine or whatever is he doing, does it look so phony? Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I didn't note that. But, uh, you know, as far as what I wrote down, but when I was watching it, I thought the same thing. Like, because he's... Not to get into workout talk, but he's doing the row machine, but he's like not doing the flex on the back of his back. Like he's only going about, you know, 60% of how you should lift it. And I'm like, yeah, he should, he should know that. Maybe this guy's never been in a weight room. He just woke up one day and he's like, wow, look at that. <laughs> but that's kind of like a mi microcosm of this movie. It's like you got a guy who clearly lifts weights. All you have to do is, hey, you lift weights and we'll film it, and they still messed it up. <laughs> oh. All right, so um, do we want to kind of, after the montage scene, move into what, what is going to be the crescendo of the movie, which is the yes. televised Rip versus Zeus match that's taking place uh, on an upper floor of a television studio? So Rip is there and he's clearly nervous because this is a, uh, this is a situation that he's uh, not been in before uh, facing an unknown opponent. And he, he, the remaining part of his entourage is making their way into the building, which includes Sam who's now on team Rip 
and wheelchair-bound Randy, full of fully <laughs> paralyzed. Such and, a confusing injury, and there's a part later on that even confounds me even further. But we'll <laughs> we'll get to that because uh, it's during the final match. So they pull at, uh, the evil Brill and his henchmen pull an amazing switch on the elevator where they're able to to isolate Sam from the rest of the group and essentially uh, kidnap her. And um, they get they they have her kidnapped and get word to Rip that um, he needs to go down about 10 minutes into the match or, uh, or they're going to hurt Sam really bad. So, so now he's faced with the specter of, of he's going to have to throw this match to protect the woman that he um, almost had uh, sex with on a broken bed. Now, can I ask just from a storytelling perspective, I thought this was unnecessary. Like, like the whole story or just like <laughs> the whole movie right here? No, I thought like, I thought the story would be better if, cause they've already built Zeus to be this monster, right? Like in Hogan's obviously been dealing with his brother being in the hospital. He hasn't been training. Like, I think he was an underdog enough. Like I thought the final match would have been more compelling if he was just in there like Rocky against Drago fighting for his life. But now you're like watching like, okay, well now he's, he's just surviving for 10 minutes to take the fall. Cause he's worried about the girl. Yeah. Cause he's even at the beginning, he's, he's taking all the hits and he's even looking at the clock. Exactly. Like, and, you know, the show started at nine and the fight started at nine Oh four. And then one thing I laughed at was, you know, he's getting thrown around the ring and slammed and punched and stuff. And then he looks up at the clock and it's 9.07. And I'm thinking <laughs> in his mind, he's like, oh, damn, that's only three minutes. I thought I, was, I thought I was done. I'll just lay here and that'll be it. I got seven more minutes to go. And also, that's how it, also for continuity's sake, what you know, 10 minutes doesn't really mean that much to Brill. It's not like a boxing fixed fight where you have to get a certain number of rounds to pay the tickets and different things that might be going on in the underworld. What was the significance of 10 minutes? Just I, I make no it look idea. good? It's, I don't know. It's It seems short to me. Well, it also seemed like, A, why does he care who wins? Like, the ratings are, you know, he's... It's, he's yeah, got he's kind of won. He's got, he's got Rip on his network in a highly anticipated match. I mean, Brill's kind of a genius here. And the second thing I want to point out about this. So this all started in the dirty dive bar, right? And they're promoting this, you know, like I said, they have one camera, this raw, no rules, blood sport type event. And that's what it is. It's in these like warehouses with fire and welding going on. And then this match, all of a sudden, like everyone's dressed up like they're at an orchestra at Carnegie Hall. Like, like they've completely changed their audience immediately. Like, how in the world is he pulling this off? No, I think Brill is the underrated marketing genius of this entire movie. <laughs> So but there's no explanation for that. No. We just jump to that. Yeah. As the match is going on, Sam is able to pull a very bizarre uh, escape, which basically is enabled by the fact that the security guards are just very interested in watching the match. 
and she's more or less able to just kind of casually slip out the door. And then, of course, they notice after she's gone, they give chase. There's the scene that happens in every movie that I just hate, which is somebody gets in the elevator, the doors close, the villain clearly gets there before the doors close, and yet they continue to close when any elevator you've ever been on in your entire life, you so much as like sneeze near the door and they bounce back open. And here you've got, you've got henchmen trying to wrench the door open and it just continues to close so that Sam's able to escape uh, and make her way back down towards the ring. Now, when we get back to the ring, the action in the ring is very much heating up. Zeus has pulled out the ring post and trying to use it to murder Rip. (laughs) Right. And, and Rip is on, on the mat and he's just, you know, he's just given the 10 minutes and taking the fall. But I guess Randy, who's in his wheelchair, uh, I guess can sense that because Rip looks over at him and then I'm thinking, okay, Randy, here's, it's going to be a motivational, just a, uh, just a look an emotion, some kind of encouraging words. And he just says, come on, Rip. Try. <laughs> and that's it. Right, which is actually very accurate because now that Sam is safe from the clutches of the evil Brill, Rip can try. Also, true. not to uh, poke holes in this very realistic movie, you cannot fight for 10 minutes without a round break. Those guys would have been blown up <laughs> so bad. Like there's no way you can go for ten minutes. Well, there's and there's so many times because Rip has been hit in the head a million times, and he almost gets impaled with the pole that was holding up the turnbuckle. But um, you know, and he's you can tell you know they go to the camera angle and he's all fuzzy and he can't quite make out what's around him, so he's just looking at different things. And the other time he sees his brother, his brother's in the wheelchair. Okay. And it looks like it's one of those motorized ones. So can he walk? Is he paralyzed? <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, no, he's walk, paralyzed. They were, they were teaching him to walk earlier. No, he's and paralyzed. He clearly, even if he can't walk, he clearly seems to have use of his upper body. But they focus in on his hand, and it just shows his pinky move a little bit, as if that is going to inspire Rip, as well as seeing that Sam is now okay. <sighs> It's insane. So explain that to me now. (laughs) I can't. There's many things about this movie I can't explain. So, uh, as Tommy said, Sam's safe. Rip can now try. They brawl outside the ring. Zeus turns over the wheelchair. Just dumps poor paralyzed Randy out on the floor. He knocks another woman over. It's like the fifth woman (laughs) who's been hit slammed or attempted sexual assault. 1989 yeah. was a wild time. It was. It was a wild so time. So they... Oh, go ahead, Tommy. No, I, I don't have anything. Okay, so they they brawl all the way up to, like, the high point of this, you know, not really arena, whatever the showcase it's like theater. A, yeah, this is just a studio, whatever. But it, it is definitely Falls Count Anywhere at this point. <laughs> So there's a lot of back and forth, but Rip finally gets the upper hand. The uh, they're also up like where the broadcast equipment is because the uh, network CEO Brill is in there yelling from the glass uh, broadcast booth. 
for Zeus to finish him. So they brawl out. Zeus is precariously on the edge of the high point of the showcase they're at. It's time to riptide, or not riptide. <laughs> it's Rhea Ripley. Yeah. Well, what is, what is his finishing move? He just it's, runs at him? It's with... like a double axe handle. It's terrible. Yeah. But he does it. Just Owen Hart's Zeus off this thing straight <laughs> through the ring. Like there's a hole in the ring. Zeus is motionless, never moves the rest of the movie. So Rip has killed Zeus. And then he starts, I don't know if he ever touches Brill, the CEO, but he's at least walking towards him, which well, he causes... Breaks, he, he breaks the glass. Yeah. And as as uh, it becomes more and more apparent that Rip's going to win this thing, Brill starts pulling all the cords out of the broadcasting equipment, I assume just to cut... So people can't see that Zeus is going to lose. So now we have all kinds of generic sparks, and he's just and, and he is just ripping exposed. apart this TV studio. Yes, it it and the whole thing looks like when when uh, Braun Strowman <laughs> speared Bobby Lashley through the Raw set, which Point Break Dave was at. That was we were Dallas. there. It was awesome. Um, yeah, and then he uh, he. Like, as Rip's coming through him, he backs up, falls into the wiring, is electrocuted, and falls down motionless. Yeah. So that's Third just another <laughs> another body count, another addition to the body count. And no one seems to care. Like, a man, no matter how bad he was, because these people that are at this show obviously love the show. They don't know that he's an evil, maniacal CEO who wanted to have someone raped. They just know that he's a human being, and he was just electrocuted in front of everybody. They just celebrate with Rip. What a great fight! <laughs> no, we're not, not worried like, about not worry about those who aren't here anymore. We'll just worry about those who are here. There's no point. It's it's a no holds barred fight. So there's no point where Zeus like is out of control and like throwing police officers around. Like it's essentially like a brawl. And then everyone's okay with Rip throwing him off from the high point. Like, no one cares. No one cares. And then, as they cut to the crowd celebrating, who is jumping around, <laughs> cheering, <laughs> completely out of his wheelchair, but Randy, who's been miraculously healed from his paralysis. <sighs> like... Three minutes earlier, he was just barely moving his pinky finger as he was working the remote that moves him around in the chair. And now he's jumping around, just fist in the sky. Unbelievable. And what, then, what a film. And then it's like, I was expecting, okay, I was like, all right, it's going to end with, you know, Rip celebrating and then, you know, it'll cut to something a few days later and it's, you know... Brill, the CEO, and Zeus in side-by-side hospital beds or something. But no, it just no. goes to the credits. No, just, They're dead. We roll the credits. They're dead. <laughs> yeah, it ends as the Rocky ripoff continues. Like a lot of Rocky movies with the still shot of Rocky, you know, celebrating arms up or whatever. It's Rip walking through the crowd, and he turns around, and he gives the Rip <laughs> sign. And then it's just still shot, and then credits roll. And oh then my that's when I wrote down, 
five out of five stars. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm so I glad like... we did this. I, I went to, I had seen this before, and I actually saw this in the theater. You're I kidding. I saw me. it with a couple of uh, two of my cousins uh, that I was staying with during the, that summer. And as I remember it, and if I, I don't know if I remember this correctly, but um, my aunt took us. It was two of my aunts uh, took us to the movies. We went to see No Holds Barred, and I think they went to see Roadhouse. <laughs> wow! And I, what I feel, I feel like I thought a lot higher of this movie in 1989 than I do right now, for sure. It it's an experience. It's. But I think. Yeah. I think we just need to watch a whole lot of movies from 1989 because what in the world was going on? I feel like that that was the pinnacle of filmmaking and we've basically been on a downward trajectory. We have not flattened the curve. (laughs) If you will. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, four and a half out of five stars from me. Yeah. Uh, Tremendous film. If you haven't if you haven't done so yet, please Amazon Prime send us an email with your thoughts. What's next what's next on the movie review docket, gentlemen? Oh man. Cuz that was a blast. Yeah. I don't know. We still we still have some leftover stuff from literally years past that we never got to. So I think uh Finders Keepers and unhung hero and <laughs> king of kong or yeah uh it's awesome kong, more I believe. that we never watched i'm i'm in for all of it amazing wow i'm gonna go need a cigarette after <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go do i'm about to go do like a thousand decline all right push-ups hey, so jumping on the bed yeah i was gonna say let's all go t- take the huge flat back bump into the bed and see what happens <laughs>